0: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play Full Time Fantasy. Full
1: Time Fantasy. That's right, it is Full Time Fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis, solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron 88 and check me out fulltimefantasy.com. Have a look at the weekly MLB stock watch looking at some players on the rise. Some players that are seeing their value decline, but this could be an opportunity to buy low. It also could be an opportunity to sell high so you can check that out. Uh, I do have Noah Syndergaard in there and we'll talk about him A little bit more as he pitched this afternoon. So uh, hopefully you read that article before the game to help you out. Uh, Now, maybe things change for his perspective owner, but we'll talk about that. We got the closer depth chart and bullpen updates, which are extremely important in fantasy baseball from Sean Childs, who's going to join me at 3.20 p.m. Eastern. He's one of the top high stakes players around and he does a lot of work for us here at Full-Time Fantasy. Dr. Orto has his NFC North draft review. And we already have the team outlooks for NFL underway. Sean Childs already has the Buffalo Bills team outlook up on the site. Now, you want to check these out. And I'm telling you, right now is the best time to start preparing. You have to, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, football's far away. I'll just look at it in July and August. If you really want to be a competitive player and really win, you know, now is when you start laying the groundwork. And these are very in-depth team outlooks by Sean. So you really don't want to let this pile up. You want to absorb it little by little. So like now is a good time. You know It's May 2nd. All right. The bills are up. You'll take a look at it, read it. Uh, maybe it'll take a day or two to read, depending on uh, what your attention span is. But it goes through the offensive line. It goes through the coaching history. There's a offensive schedule breakdown of how the matchups look. There's a, a look at the offense and basically you know, the percentage of runs and pass the previous years. He goes through the quarterbacks, the running backs, the receivers, the tight ends, the defense too, the kicker, the defensive schedule. I mean, this is really in-depth. And obviously, if there's any changes, he updates them. So the first one is up on the site a look at the bill, so uh, check it out. Again, just do it day by day, little by little, uh, as the outlooks are posted. And by the time you know July comes around, June you're, you're, or August, you're going to be ahead of the curve. You're going to just really be on top of everything. So now is a good time to really start taking a look at them. And we also can ask your questions on the message boards and the forums anytime you want. Uh, go in-depth, and we'll help you out. And, you know, you know, I had someone ask a question. They're like, here's my team. Where can I improve? Well, that kind of doesn't help us. I need to know what's on the waiver wire. So that allows you to have that back and forth dialogue with us. He presented me the players that were on the waiver wire. I didn't think any of them were a major upgrade. So I just said, you know, stick with your team for now. Obviously, you're always looking to churn the roster. And especially now with so many players being called up and really having a positive impact and all the injuries, you're always looking to improve your team. But you, at the same time, You know, don't want to overreact and just make a move because your team is struggling. So we can go through your teams in depth there on the message boards and forums. And, of course, Scout. I mean, not Scout. See, I'm already at full-time. Fantasy.com slash DFS, where we got you covered for MLB, NBA, NHL, uh, PGA, MMA, and VegasWhispers.com. So you can check all of that out there. And, of course, if you're ready to draft for football, we just went over in the first uh, hour, if you missed it. We had on one of the participants from our uh, Draft and Go Best Ball format from uh, Tuesday night. Uh, picking from the one slot, they went over their strategy, which was a little unique. Going Saquon Barkley, George Kittle, and uh, Zach Ertz. So if you missed that, you could check it out on demand in the first hour. But we got a Dynasty startup here. Three spots left. So once this fills, it'll start a six-hour clock. Uh, there's online championship slow drafts, drafting Go, slow best ball drafts. Uh, so... You can check those out and uh, go to the ones that you want. Check it out, playffwc.com, as it is now May Madness. Uh, let's take a look at some of the top performances from yesterday, what it means for your fantasy team. We'll go over some of the live action later on in the show as well. But the best pitcher that no one is really talking about and maybe people in your league don't notice either because he pitches for the worst team in baseball, that's Caleb Smith. I mean, Caleb Smith, and we talked about him yesterday being a good DFS player. We both liked him, and he was tremendous yesterday once again. Seven innings, four hits, one run, a walk, two walks, eight Ks for Caleb Smith. He now has at least eight strikeouts in four of his six starts. He has at least six strikeouts in all six of his starts. He's gone at least six innings in five of his six starts. He's allowed two earned runs or fewer in five of his six starts. And the one start he didn't, he allowed three earned runs in six innings, which is deemed a quality quality start in circles today. But Caleb Smith has just been great. And 27 years old, and we talked about it before the year that, and I've talked about it through the first month of the season. There's a lot of value here in the Marlin's pitching staff. The problem is you're probably not going to get a lot of wins. But there's a lot of pitchers we can say that in baseball outside of the elite who haven't even pitched to their level. But how many pitchers are going seven, eight innings nowadays? Not many. We're just relying on the bullpen a lot more. The Marlins have nine wins. Caleb Smith has three of them. So he's been fortunate to to get some of them. You know, Pablo Lopez hasn't been. Now, his numbers are not as good, but the underlying numbers are good, and I still like Lopez. Uh, And uh, I don't like Alcantara, and I could see him removed from the rotation. But there are some good arms here in the rotation, and Caleb Smith is definitely one of them. He's now 3-0. He's got an ERA of 2 and a strikeout rate of 33.6%, a 6.7% walk rate, and a 0.83 whip. And we saw signs. He was pretty good last year. Now, the ERA was over 4, but we saw the strikeout rate of 27%. The big difference this year is he's really cut down on the walks. And you know, usually when you have that high walk rate, it's going to lead to a higher whip. And even with a 10.1% walk rate last year, He still had a respectable whip of 1.24. You know, I talked about Aaron Sanchez in the last hour because the biggest issue for him is the walk rate, and it's leading to a higher whip. People see that ERA, but there's a lot of those walks add up. There's a few concerns. Obviously, your pitch count is being elevated when you're walking guys like that, so you cannot go deeper into games. Then, you know, you're pitching with runners on base, and, The risk of a home run, a hit, extends the inning. And, you know, you're only throwing five, six innings, and that's been the problem with Sanchez. So, Smith has cut down on the walks, and it's really helped him this year. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, this is a fluke. Nah, he's legit. I mean, this is a really good arm. The hard contact rate is down from what it was last year at 32.5%. You know, he only throws 92 with his fastball, but he's got three good pitches, the slider and the change. And he's getting a, a ton of swings and misses, 16.8% swing strike rate. He was at 11.6% last year. So this is a really good pitcher. If someone is looking to deal him because he's on the Marlins, I'd be buying if you can get him for cheap. Now, I think in savvy leagues it will be difficult to do, but there are people who go by name brand. And they're like, ah, Caleb Smith, that's not a big name. Uh, it's the Marlins. They're not going to win a lot. Maybe I should deal them right now. I'd be looking to buy. I really would. If someone's going to give me Caleb Smith, uh, I'm buying on him. If he has, I, I, you know, if he has another bad start or he hasn't had one yet, but say the next time out he has a bad start, I'm buying then too. So certainly believe in uh, Caleb Smith. He's been tremendous. Obviously, the big story from yesterday was uh, Corey Kluber, and you know, just real unfortunate here. If you are a Corey Kluber owner and we know Kluber always gets off to a poor start. He usually struggles in April and then turns it around, but uh, he is going to be out uh, for an extended period of time. I haven't seen any update today, but he was diagnosed with a non-displaced fracture of his right ulnar bone. He was hit by a line drive. That was 102.2 miles per hour off the back in the fifth inning. And he was immediately removed and, I haven't seen the timetable yet, but it, it's going to be several weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it's two months. So, really tough break. Now, Kluber wasn't good to begin with for his fantasy owners a 5.80 0 ERA, a 1.68 whip, 38 strikeouts, 15 walks into seven starts. Uh, and especially against the Marlins, I think people were expecting him to produce. But we did mention yesterday we did not like him in DFS. We liked Caleb Smith better. And, and I think Kluber was going to improve anyway. Uh, there were some concerns for me where we did we have seen him kind of taper off, uh, you know, late last year uh, a little bit. Uh, overall, the numbers were still really good, and you know, this year it was also a case of a little bad luck. A 380 batting average in balls in play, a 64.5% strand rate. So, I don't think he was going to continue to struggle this bad. Uh, I just don't think he would have uh, maybe been as productive as where people were drafting him. Uh, the biggest thing was their walk rate was up 8.9%. This guy's uh, been in the 4 to 5% range the last two years. In fact, the last two years, he's been below 5%. So when you see 8.9%, definitely a concern. Uh, but, yeah, there were slight things there. And it wasn't a major thing. The velocity was slightly down. But I think he would have been fine. Uh, swinging strike rate was still there. It was just some – for some reason. I don't know what it is. The first month of the season, maybe it's the cold weather. Can't blame him on pitching in Cleveland Uh, And I know the weather has been a little bit more mild than we expected. I haven't looked at each specific outing for Kluber, but weather certainly never great in Cleveland when you're playing those night games, but uh, definitely a big loss for Cleveland here. They're without Kluber now and Clevenger. And they've still managed to, to play well and have a winning record, despite the slow start offensively and, We'll have to see how long they can keep that up. Uh, Do they become sellers? We've heard a lot of rumors in the offseason about them potentially dealing Kluber or Bauer. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on, especially with the Twins surging in the AL Central, which to me is not a surprise at all. I think when I saw the the over-under for the Twins, at one point it was like 84. I'm like, wow, I love that over. Uh, I didn't put any money on it. I don't really do a lot of futures bets, You know, putting money down, waiting six months. I'm okay with it, but it's not something I typically do, but I did do it for uh, a column uh, on the site before the year, and i pretty sure I had the Twins as an over in there. I'll have to go back and look, but I know that was definitely one of my favorite ones. Uh, I still have concerns a little bit about the Twins pitching, but one of their pitchers who has really done well, and I thought this was a key start for him because he had a couple easy matchups so far, and Houston is a tough lineup, even though for some reason they have days where they explode and days where they're quiet. But Martin Perez yesterday, very impressive performance uh, going up against the Astros. And, uh, you know, there was talk in the spring about Perez that his velocity was up and he's kind of ditched the slider. The Twins wanted him to throw a cutter a little bit more. And he looked very good yesterday. Eight innings, no earned runs seven strikeouts, and his ERA is 3.41. So, very impressive start for Perez yesterday. Uh, I think he was on the waiver wire in a league or two over the weekend, and I put in, like, a small bid uh, because I really didn't need a pitcher in either of those leagues. Looking back, maybe one of them I should have taken the shot, and it was a league where I, I didn't have to put him in. And tout wars, if you pick up a pitcher or any player, they have to go in your lineup for the week. So, uh, I think he was added, but... So far, he's pitched in seven games, four of them are starts. He's got a 3.41 ERA, strikeout rate's at 20.4%. Walk rate is still high, though, at 9.5%, and the whip is still high at one4 And that goes back to what I said earlier is, you know, if you're going to have that high walk rate, it's going to affect your whip most times, even if you're able to escape and keep that ERA down. But a 33.3% hard hit rate for Perez, so that's good. And uh, the velocity's up like two to three miles per hour. I mean, he's averaging 94.7 with that fastball. That is really big. And again, he's added this cutter. So that's, you know, a lot of times you're like, oh, the same old pitcher. He's been the same. Uh, it's a small sample. But when they change their arsenal and you see drastic changes in a few stats, it's time to pay attention and you probably should have already grabbed him anyway. It's probably too late in a lot of competitive leagues. He's probably sitting out there on the waiver wire in a 12-team league, and I think it would really depend on what the alternatives are. But, you know, he's getting more swings and misses, 10.6% swing strike rate. He's throwing more first-pitch strikes. It's up 5% to 64.6%. So I really wanted to see how he performed yesterday because the Astros, to me, are one of the tougher offenses to pitch against. So uh, if he would have went out there and had a bad outing, I might have said, all right, here we go, same thing. But this was a a really impressive performance to go eight innings. We just don't see many pitchers go that deep into games anymore, especially against the Astros. Uh, But, you know, his first three starts were against Toronto and then two against Baltimore. And one of them against Baltimore, there was four runs in six innings and only two strikeouts. And even against Baltimore in 12 innings, he had six strikeouts. So, So that's why I was a little bit concerned. But that was a very impressive start. So I do think Perez is someone that you can uh, consider picking up even in formats where he's available because uh, there's been a change here, and uh, it looks pretty good. And I I do think in deeper formats he was already owned. In a lot of 15-team leagues he was owned. He might have been available in in one or two over the weekend, but he was picked up. So I think people started to see him pitch well and decided to take a shot. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu, I mean, talked about him yesterday using him in DFS. He didn't get the win, but eight innings, one run. He struggled in the first inning. This guy is just tremendous. Now, we all know what the risk is. He's going to spend time on the DL, and he already did. He already has one stint on the injured list. Sorry, I caught myself there again. It's not the DL anymore. I've been pretty good about it. But the injured list, he's already missed uh, 10 days. But fortunately, it was only 10 days. But, man, when this guy pitches, it's really good 255 era a 0.9 whip 29.3 percent strikeout a one and a half percent walk rate so i drafted him in a couple leagues and i knew i might only get 100 innings out of him i'm praying for 130 i will be ecstatic if i get 150 he was at 82 and a third last year 126 and two thirds in 2017. so hey maybe he gets 120 and that would be great but either way He has to be in your lineup almost every time he's on the mound. Maybe the one time you don't is Coors Field, but I think it also depends on the time of the year and uh, if he has a two-start week. But Ryu has been certainly very valuable, and again, it's the way the game has changed. You can't be worried if you're only going to get 120, 130 out of a pitcher. You just have to manage your roster correctly, but these guys are valuable. Even though we know they're not going 150 innings, they can really help your fantasy baseball team. Speaking of helping your fantasy baseball team, Sean Childs, FullTimeFantasy.com. He joins me next here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Brain
0: dance! Make it rain! Nothing Josh Rosen did, nothing that this kid here, Daniel Jones, has done deserves the kind of scrutiny that they are receiving simply because the organizations don't know what the hell they're doing. The lack of organizational integrity is not the fault of these guys. We need quarterbacks. There's only 32 of them in the league that start. He's good enough to fill one of them. You just got to be a little patient. Get to know the kid before you stick a fork in him is all I'm saying. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers.
1: Radio Network, Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, you can check us out, fulltimefantasy.com. Got the bullpen updates, closer depth charts, baseball stock watch, draft review, and a look at the Buffalo Bills as we are already starting our NFL team outlooks done by none other than Sean Childs from Full-Time Fantasy and one of the top high-stakes players around. Sean, what's going on? Just uh, working the grind for football now. Amazing. May 2nd. It just starts earlier and earlier this year. uh, And you already have filed your Buffalo Bills team outlook, and it's up on the site. So uh, this has to really help you, though, in your preparation as well. And how long does it typically take to do these? Because I was telling people they're very extensive and in-depth, and now's the time to start reading them so you don't get behind?
3: Yeah, it's, it's you know, you want to get a whole feel for a team, and each team's a little bit different. You know, there's a lot of teams that have flipping personnel and a lot of draft picks and a lot of free agent signing, so it can vary between, like, eight and ten hours depending on the team. Um, but overall, you know, it's a little easier, right, than, you know, the baseball research from team to team. And it's just, uh, you know, once you put everything together and you have a little feel for it, then you kind of, you know, do the little projections for the offense and you try to, you know, see what the matchups are and you start working towards, you know, beginning the draft season.
1: Baseball had to have been a nightmare for you this past year with the, the lay in free agency. Uh, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually it wasn't as bad as you would have
3: thought there was quite a few players that didn't sign, but, uh, you know, there was, you know, you kind of knew where some of the players were and I, I did write about them earlier, um, and then just had to switch him on some teams. So it wasn't as bad as I thought it was me, considering, you know, how many players,
1: you know, signed late. I think you did, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't you have Manny Chattle penciled into the White Sox for a while? <laughs> like, the it was your guess that you had him in the White Sox, right?
3: Oh, yeah, he was in there for, you know, until I finished all the teams, and I had to double back and make all the corrections. You know, I put Kimbrell on the Red Sox, you know, in their bullpen. But, you know, just, you know, some of the name guys you want to, you know, write – get it out of the way. Cause you know, they're going to land somewhere. You know, some of the other players like, uh, you know, Gio Gonzalez, you weren't sure what was going to happen. I I don't even know if I end up doing a profile for him for the year, just cause you know, what he we'll ends up signing, you know, a, you know, minor league deal with the
1: Yankees. What do you do if, uh, and I haven't even looked at my leaks to see if Dallas Keuchel has been dropped or not, but there was a report that the Yankees are open to Dallas Keuchel after the June draft Do you think he can come back and be effective, you know, a starting pitcher with no spring, missing the first two months? Can he come back and be effective and help a fantasy team? It, it's going to be interesting to see
3: it's going to be frustrating because you know people held him for two months and if he comes out of the gate and struggles you know you, you have all that time invested in a player and then he ends up giving you negative numbers um i had him on a 12-teamer and i cut him last week it was just like couldn't hang on to him anymore In a 15-teamer I, I could see you know keeping them there if possible but 12 teamer's is a totally totally different
1: case Now, obviously, this year has been a little bit of a headache with the closer situation because a lot of teams have not really designated a closer. I mean, look at yesterday. Hector Neris, who seems like the closer in Philly, came into the game in the sixth inning, got the out, and then was replaced in the seventh by Sir Anthony Dominguez. So just when we thought Neris was the closer, he comes in into a a high leverage spot in the sixth. And now you got the situation in Texas where... Leclerc has really struggled. An 844 ERA, a 216 whip, and they said they're taking him out of the role for a while. So it looks like Sean Kelly and Chris Martin. Uh, some leagues, Kelly has already been picked up, but is this a spot where you're going to be aggressive this weekend if either guy is available? Or do you think Leclerc eventually works his way back into the role since they gave him that contract?
3: Yeah, the The command has been a problem, and it's just uh, sometimes those things take a little while to work out. Kelly's been around long enough where you think he's capable, but he's in big spots, and in the ninth inning, he's kind of never done the job. So it'll be interesting to see if people will push, you know, in the high stakes market well over $100 to pick up a player like that. But, um, you know, he's more of a guy that you, you take a shot for and hopefully he keeps it for more than a couple weeks, and you don't invest a lot of money, if possible,
1: picking him up. Talking to Sean Childs, you can check out all his work, fulltimefantasy.com. I don't know. It seems to me that there's been way more aggressive bids this year early in the year in the NFBC, uh, and you've played in this format for a long time. Have you found that to be the case too? Is this a case of people like, hey, uh, these young players are coming up and you know they might stick for five, five and a half months and I want to spend the money now? I mean, you saw high bids on Spencer Keyboom. Are you noticing that too, or is it just the same as it always has been?
3: Yeah, I think it's
1: the tone was set early in the year. Some of those
3: pitchers get called up and uh, they went for big money, and then people know that I got to kind of be aggressive. It's a guy that I like. And uh, somebody asked me about the two-key guy from Atlanta. I, I, I said that he wasn't going to be in play for me because of Soroka. And, uh, you know, they spent $100 wasted on him, and Soroka, you know, went 300 So, you know, how much is a. Cannon griffin going to go this week you know they already know what the other players are going for so he's probably going to go really really high and then you got to determine if he can you know add value for the whole season or is he you know just going to be you know just a above average player or you know, or maybe he ends up being a liability but i like his arm and stuff like that what he can do but uh the bidding is like you said it, it, it's a little more aggressive and then you got to you know kind of taper it down for the 12 team leagues where you know they the quality in the free agent pool is so much
1: better that the prices should drop down naturally. That is absolutely true because I'm playing in a 12-team one as well. You just do not have to spend as much. You don't have to be as aggressive because there's just way more players available in the player pool, and it's it's just an adjustment. When you're used to playing in a 15-team league all the time and then you go to the 12, man, it is night and day in terms of free agency, and you have to be able to see that early on in order to have success. Yeah, you you know if there's some wise guys in
3: your leagues by names if you play a long a long enough and you can get a feel for you know if there's somebody that shouldn't get dropped and if you should be aggressive, um, but overall. You know, you need a closer, and then he's you, you know kind of a questionable guy, and he's you know thirty forty dollar guy. That's you probably can get him all day long, but you know we're you know in a in a fifteen team league where there's you know a lot more players being held in the bullpens. It's it's a lot more difficult to get those type of players. So, it's a it's more of a you know experience thing to help you when some of those
1: areas. Who, has there been a player or two that you really opened the bank on this year and spent some money in the high-stakes leagues, or have you kind of been conservative with your fab so far? Who's been the big spender uh, on a player, if you have, so far this year?
3: In a 12-teamer, I only have two teams I think I'm managing. I, I did get Soroka for 112, which is probably 100 less than he went and in the bottom tier of the 15 team leagues. Um, in the 15 teamer, um, I haven't really made any really, really big bids yet. I'm just waiting for the right players to get called up. I am holding, you know, Cole Tucker, uh, uh, not Cole Tucker, uh, Kyle Tucker from Houston, the outfielder, waiting for him to possibly make a you know a push to Houston. Um, so kind of trying to play the play a little forward thinking and drafted a couple players that I thought would help me, which you know kind of compromises some of my bench spot. But everybody's looking for pitching, and then I haven't spent for the you know the top top
1: guys in a 15 team league yet. Do you like the NFBC format where you cannot? bid on these rookies until they're called up. Obviously, if they're drafted and cut, it's different. But do you like that, that everyone gets a, a crack at that player? Or do you think a player should be rewarded for maybe having the forward thinking to pick up a player and stash?
3: It actually it, it improves the value of the free agent pool. Um, I think it makes it better overall. If, it, if you're going to be a shot guy and you want to draft a guy and carry him, you should be rewarded for that. You shouldn't, you know, draft them and hold them, and then let somebody else be able to pick them up, you know, five or six weeks later because they're paying attention, and the, and the rest of the league isn't. So I think it's the setup is is really good for that part of the game. Uh, people get frustrated because they let, you know, they want to be the wise guy that can pick at the, you know, the minor league free agent pool. But I think that, you know, it's it's part of the game, and it, you know, if you eliminate, you know, that part of it where you can just go at any time and shop in the minor leagues, it would, you know when anybody gets called up, is they're going to be lesser-tier players. So um, you see how much money gets spent for these players out of the gate. And even at the end of the year, there'll be plenty of teams with leftover money. So, you know, it's hard for everybody to spend all their money
1: over the long course of the season, even though it's 26 weeks long of free agency. Blake Snell was absolutely dominating, and then he had this toe injury, and he's made two starts since coming off the I.L., and they haven't been good. Seven runs in three innings yesterday against the Royals. Is this a case where maybe Tampa brought him back too quick? Because, you know, this is not what we saw from Blake Snow before he got hurt. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's almost like a turf toad type of thing, you know. When a running back gets it, it's like doom, you know. So, you know, is this the case for a starting pitcher? So, you know, we don't usually see this kind of injury happen uh, to a pitcher. But, um, you know, based on how he's uh, pitched the last couple of games, you got to have some concerns of his, you know, if he can repeat where he was at the beginning of the year, or even follow through for where he, you know, he did in 2018. So uh, he's a, he's, he's a good player. And, you know, maybe just needs a little bit of time to recover from his injury. But as of now, he really you know, is going to be a little concerned.
1: Talking to Sean Childs, you can find him com. Uh Martin Perez, very impressive performance yesterday, eight scoreless innings against the Astros and we've seen the velocity up, a change in the picks, Mitch. Uh Was Perez someone that you have picked up? Were you on him? And are you buying what he's doing? Is he a different pitcher, and could he be a valuable fantasy asset going forward? You
3: know, I hear this street talk, and then I hear, you know, know what he's done in the past, and he hasn't lived up to expectations. He was a free agent and I think, a 15-team league this week. I looked at it. He was pitching against Houston, and maybe he has not great double starts the following week, and I was like – I just can't do it. You know, it's like, I see, you know, I see disaster around the corner, but you know, he, you know, a friend of mine, Eddie Gillis is in the high stakes market. He's been holding him and he's pumping him up, you know, for a guy that's invested in the high high dollar league. And, uh, you know, so far he's been right, but uh, he, you, you've you got to like what he did in his last game and his direction. So he, he, obviously he's going to be better pitching for a better team this year, but um, you know, overall his, whole foundation skill set doesn't seem like it's right and it's going to probably you know come back to where he's going to be just an average pitcher for me
1: yeah I had the same situation in two fifteen team leagues He was out there and in that those leagues my pitching's actually been pretty good and I was just like I put in a small bit but not enough uh, same thing kind of looking at the Houston start but I thought that was a really good start for him interested to see what he does going forward uh, Jose Martinez you know I have an NFBC roster where I've been battered by injuries and I I was forced to cut him like three weeks ago and I, I said it at the time I said you know he is going to wind up playing every day there's going to be an injury and of course it happened but now Dexter Fowler's back he's been dealing with the flu so he's been out Harrison Bader is back he's mm-hmm. been playing all Martinez does is hit he's hitting 375 we know his defense is atrocious what do you think they do here with Martinez? Do they say, hey, look, he's hitting. We're just going to keep him in there. We'll rotate Fowler and Bader uh, because Martinez could be a real valuable fantasy player. Yeah, I mean, you, you like what
3: he can do when he's, you know, on the field. It's just the question of, you know, is he going to get enough playing time, especially in a 15-team league, to, you know, put in your lineup every day and, um you know it's sometimes they're they're hot for a while and you know home runs are kind of a big factor and you know that's not been a big part of his resume but he is hitting and doing some some good things so um i don't own him so i don't have you know don't have to look at him as close but you know i I could see the frustration if you own him because you want him in the lineup every day because he is doing good things so Um, I think it's just more of a week-to-week thing, and if you kind of carry him on your bench, and hopefully he gets playing time, and there's some other injuries, and he produces more value over the course of the season.
1: Uh, Chris Bryant off to another rough start. He was a player for me. I was not targeting if he came as a value in the right spot. I would consider him. I don't own him anywhere. Where were you on Chris Bryant before the year? Do you own him in? Are there legitimate concerns here? Because I know the shoulder was a problem last year supposedly he's healthy, but we're not seeing power again.
3: Well, I, I'm looking back. I do have him on two main events in the 15-teamers. I was looking for a guy that I thought possibly could, you know, maybe hit 300 and, you know, hit 30-something home runs, steal a few bases. And when you see his first couple of years in the majors, you're like, that's pretty impressive. He's hurt last year, um, kind of, you know, getting drafted later than what you think his skill set is. But, you know, looking back, I probably – his projections and his overall like, scout score number that we were using, you know, um, was lower than, like, a Bellinger. So I think I had him in the wrong order. Like, I should have had Bellinger and made sure I got him, even though I really liked him. And I do own him. Um, and maybe finesse Brian. So I'm kind of disappointed. I think he'll be okay. I think he's trending in the right direction. Uh, and, he, and he does have that, you know, breakout upside that he can get hot. He just hasn't done it in two years.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and some of the numbers are not too bad. Like, the strikeout rate is down. The walk rate is up. So there definitely is some potential there. And we do see guys get off to a slow start. Another guy off to a slow start that I think people were hoping for a bounce back is Joey Votto. And, you know, the power was way down last year. But when you look at Votto right now, the strikeouts are way up. The walks are down. He typically is a slow starter. But he's getting older. I mean, he turns 36 this year. Uh, is there real concern about Votto and that, that he's just not the same player he was and he's is catching up?
3: Yeah, you would think that he you know, his foundation skill set of walking should come around and he'll do some stuff. It just a guy that walks that much, you just lose that on all those at bats potential home runs and RBI chances. So I just kinda even while he was going in the fifth round or so I kinda shied away from him. Even though I think he's you know a quality major league player, like you said, but he is aging. So I I wouldn't be too excited if I had not own him. But I I think he will bounce back and you know at least you know be a you know twenty five eighty five guy. And you know Cincinnati overall hasn't scored a lot of runs, so you know that's tied to his failure as well as well as the rest of the team. So you know they'll 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 have some big games going forward, scoring runs and be more productive.
1: Uh, I was completely off John Lester this year. He started to really struggle in the second half last year. But, man, uh, his high strikeout rate in a long time. He's not walked anyone. His whip is 0.96. Another good performance yesterday. Uh, did I bury John Lester prematurely, or do you see him uh, not – well, he's not going to have an ERA in a two, but cause, could, could this be a guy that has an ERA in the little threes this year?
3: Yeah, I am last year he pitched pretty well for a good part of the season and then he kind of faded and, you know, and then, you know, you saw where he got drafted this year. So he's looked pretty good over short start start. So I would like it if I have him, but I wouldn't say that I found gold yet, even though he was discounted in draft. So, um, it's a long season. The Cubs need some starting pitching to pitch well, and he's, he's got the resume to at least, you know, produce a low three ERA with some decent strikeouts. So, um, You know, maybe we were just, you know, overlooked him a little bit on draft day, but he he might, it could go either way with him, but I think he'll at least be steady.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I do think there's got to be concerns going forward, but, you know, so far he has been really outstanding for the Cubs this year. Uh, Sean, thanks for the time. Let people know what you got coming up on FullTimeFantasy.com.
3: Yeah, we got, you know, Miami, I'm working the Miami Dolphins probably out tomorrow. And then not one more team uh, this week. And then, you know, kind of, you know, three or four teams will be coming out each week. And we'll do the close report, the waiver wire. And then, you know, the rankings on Monday night for baseball, um, you know, to, you know, keep keep in touch with the, you know, major league baseball stuff. So it's, uh, it'll be a grind and the projections will be out
1: probably in uh, late June. Well, I've always said if you want to win and have success, you got to put in the work, and that is something you certainly do. It always pays off in the end. So, Sean, thanks a lot for the time, and we'll talk soon. All right. You have a good day. That is Sean Childs again. Check him out, fulltimefantasy.com. He's already got an outlook of the Buffalo Bills team as well as the closer depth chart and bullpen updates, which are up on the site right now. When we return, we'll take a look at some of the action from the day. A couple games final, a couple games still going on, and some lineups for tonight. That's ahead right here. It is Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: The morning after. This is all bigger than a a little Florida town. It was political. There's other names, big time names. It's right up the street from Mar a Lago. Kraft's not the only one that went there. I don't think Schefter was making it. Schefter saw the police report and he said, holy, like Robert Kraft is a nobody next to some of these people. Adam Schefter has never uttered another freaking tweet, word, or sentence about that. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.
1: It is Full-Time Fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Adam Ronis, here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Check out all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. Have the Fantasy Baseball Stock Watch article up. Have my two-star pitcher article coming up over the weekend. We'll have the waiver wire report from Sean Childs coming up. Very important, especially if you're in a deeper format. He plays in the NFBC, so he'll give you some nice picks in the deeper formats. we got the closer depth chart and bullpen updates, and Of course, a look at football. Buffalo Bills Team Outlook from Sean. And you can ask your questions on the message boards and forums. In addition, fulltimefantasy.com slash DFS for your DFS needs fantasy baseball, uh, DFS baseball, NBA, NHL, PGJ, Slack chat, lineup optimizers, all that good stuff to help you out. And playffwc.com. It is made Madness. So hop in a Dynasty League startup draft now. We have... Best ball formats with uh, slow clock, uh, slow drafts. You know, six-hour clock. I think somewhat four. You can go there, check it out, see which uh, fits your needs, price point, uh, data draft, slow draft, whatever it is. We have you covered. Play FFWC.com. Catch gambling addicts' red heat and rage. Gabe Morancy and Cam Stewart on game time decisions, 4 p.m. Eastern, weekdays, right here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network, as they bitch and moan about their. Previous night's bad beats and let you know who their money is on for all the upcoming games. And they bet on all of them. You can also watch the broadcast on YouTube and participate in the chat room or watch it on Periscope, Twitch.tv, or countless of other popular OTT platforms. Become part of the show. Tune in for the entertainment, the knowledge, and for the extra money they'll be putting in your pockets. It's game time decisions weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern. And uh, I've been giving my picks out here over the last few days, gave you two winners on Tuesday. Yesterday, I gave you under 219.5 on the Portland-Denver game. I said if I was forced to pick uh, by the spread, I would have taken Portland getting the four, but that wasn't officially on the record, so I won't count that. I'm not really feeling anything today in the NBA. It's one game. It's Toronto-Philly, so I'm not going to give a pick for the record. If I had to make a pick, I think I would take Toronto minus one and a half, but I I just don't have a, a good feel for this game. I really think it can go either way. I still think Toronto's the better team. Uh obviously Philadelphia getting home, but I just wasn't impressed with Philadelphia in game two. I know Joel Embiid had mud butt. He didn't feel well. So they didn't get anything from him, but Simmons didn't do much. Tobias Harris didn't do much either. So uh Toronto's a good defensive team. So if anything I would I would also take the under. But I'm I'm not as of right now, I'm not putting anything on the game tonight. Uh but I do look forward to seeing it. Uh, probably have some picks for the NBA tomorrow, but not really feeling it tonight. Uh, so I don't think I'm going to put anything uh, on the game. Uh, let's take a look at the action from this afternoon. We do have a couple of final scores. The Mets beat the Reds one to nothing. The story of this game offensively and pitching-wise was Noah Syndergaard. Not only did he hit a home run his second of the year to account for the only run, but he also went the distance, and this was a very important start for Noah Syndergaard, and, you know, players don't say it, but I saw some quotes after this game where Syndergaard said he felt like he was close to rock bottom, and it was very important. DeGrom kind of mentioned that the other day, too, so, you know, these guys are human beings, and they see the numbers, and, you know, as dominant as they can be, they want to go out there and show themselves, hey, I I can still be that dominant player. Now, I went in depth today in the Stockwatch about Noah Syndergaard And I mentioned that he's a guy that I'm still buying on at this point. There are still some concerns with him. uh, But he was definitely experiencing a lot of bad luck. I mean, his batting average of balls in play, I think, coming in today was 390. So just in this outing alone, it was 200. So you already saw some regression where he's down to 345. Now, he's typically a guy that has a high batting average on balls in play. And the Mets defense does not do him any favors. This is not a great defense. They make a lot of mistakes. So, when you look at batting average of balls in play for a pitcher, uh, it can tend to be high sometimes when the defense behind him is not that good. And that is part of the problem here. But Syndergaard's strand rate is still very low. Uh, and, you know, he's got a 502 ERA even after this outing, but a FIP of 319. So he's definitely been hurt. You know, 43 innings now, 49 strikeouts, 11 walks today, allowed just four hits, one walk, and struck out 10. So this was the Noah Syndergaard he wanted to see. And uh, it is the Reds' offense, and Joey Votto wasn't in there, which actually might be favorable for a pitcher right now with the way Votto's hitting. But this definitely was the a start you wanted to see from Syndergaard today, and especially for the Mets that have really had to go deep into that bullpen. And there was some talk that Edwin Diaz and Seth Lugo weren't available today, and the Mets uh, don't have an off day uh, this week. You know, they're playing seven games this week, so. That's what you want an ace-type pitcher to do. And I don't know if we're going to put Syndergaard in that class yet, but this is what you need a stud pitcher to do. On a day where you kind of want to avoid the bullpen, you want to go out there and get – I mean, you would have taken seven innings in this game, but the fact that he went out there, went the distance, complete game shutout, that is big. Uh, Certainly Syndergaard owners have got to be happy because, again, a lot of the underlying stats are pretty good. He still just – he kind of needs to – Learn how to pitch. When you have such great stuff, when you throw 97, 98, I mean, think about it. If you threw 97, 98, your mindset would be, I'm just blowing this ball past hitters. Catch catch up to my heater. It's natural. But you got to learn it's more than that, especially in baseball. Now, hitters are so used to seeing that heat. You look at most teams' bullpens, guys are coming in throwing 96, 97. The next guy's throwing 98. The next guy's throwing... so hitters are used to that. You can't not just throw fastballs. So he's got to mix in the slider a little bit more in a changeup, And then I think he can really take a step up to become a more effective pitcher. But a lot of the underlying stats were positive for him. So some good signs there. Obviously the Mets, I don't know why. The Mets suck at home. They're 7-8 and eight at home. They play better on the road. I don't understand it. And uh, they did not hit well in this series. Credit the Reds pitching staff. Uh, I think I saw last night at one point they had like a 3-2-3 ERA as a staff. And I've talked about it in the preseason. I really like this pitching staff. I love Sonny Gray. I love Luis Castillo. I like Anthony DiSclefani. I did draft him in. I, I took him in a Scout 44, and I took him in the GST League. I wound up dropping him uh, about a week or two ago, which kind of don't love that now. But they have some good arms in this rotation. Tyler Molly is okay. I actually did deploy him in a 15-team league this week just because I'm so Battered by injuries and the waiver wire thin, but he was solid today. And actually, he is receiving the lowest run support among starters in baseball. And uh, obviously, that continued today. He went five innings for it, a run, no walk, seven Ks. His ERA is 4.09. Despite him being 0-4, and I don't love him. I'm not. This is not a ringing endorsement of him. To me, he's a borderline 15-team streamer. And I actually did not want to start him today. But my other option was Lucas Giolito, and on Monday I wasn't sure if he'd be back. So. Again, uh, but I I think overall the Reds do have a good pitching staff. Uh, I'm not a fan of Tanner Roark, though. Uh, But, uh, you know, I like Gray, uh, DeScofania, and, you know, we'll see Alex Wood has not been able to stay healthy. Uh, I was not a fan of him just because of the injuries, and uh, he's still dealing with some injuries now. Uh, But, yeah, not much offensively today. Yasil Pui continues to struggle 0-4 forward to strike, and I think he'll get better. Uh, We've seen players go to a new team, struggle initially, Puig has ter- uh oh usually been a slow starter. Obviously, the weather hasn't been great, so I'm really not worried about Puig. I would buy low on Puig now. The thing you love about Puig is he's playing every day and he's hitting third, fourth in the order, so Puig will get hot. Uh, so I would definitely buy low on him. Uh, for sure. Uh, for the Mets, uh, we saw Pete Alonso did not start today. They gave uh, Smith a start. He went 0 for 2, but we did see uh, a pinch hit appearance by Alonso. He stayed in the game and he walked. So. Mets uh, split the series with the Reds 2 2 as they win 1 0 this afternoon at home. Uh, The Padres, they beat up on the uh, Braves today 11 2. Matt Strom, guy I talked a lot about before the year, have him in several leagues, including Tout Wars. Uh, I took him in the 25th round of the Tout Wars draft. That was back on March 5th. I've always been intrigued by his arm. Uh, He's 27 years old now, fourth consecutive start. He has not walked anyone. Now, the concern with him is how many innings, and you feel like this is repetitive because I've kind of said it a lot, but how many innings are we going to get out of him this year? And I think anyone who drafted him knew maybe 120, and that might even be a little heavy. you got to worry about him staying healthy. That's been an issue. But he uh, you know, threw 61 in the third innings last year out of the bullpen and had a 205 ERA. Uh, and in 2017, he only threw about uh, 40 innings. Uh, he threw 14 and a third at double A last year. So a total of 75 and two thirds innings. So maybe a hundred, 110 and the Padres are going to be in the wild card hunt too. So it's going to be real interesting to see how they manage Strom and Paddock and all these young arms. Cause you know, they're, they're 18 and 14 right now. And you know, they, they should stay in the wild card hunt. I would think uh, maybe even the division, I think the Dodgers are a lot better, but you know, they will be in the mix, but Strom's uh, been really good so far. Now, he hasn't thrown deep pitch counts. Uh, You know, today probably could have gone longer, but he ran into some trouble in the sixth inning uh, where he gave up the two runs. The first five were scoreless. So with a big lead, I can understand them taking him out. He only threw 76 pitches today, but six innings, eight hits, two runs, no walks, six Ks to improve to one and two on the season with a 303 ERA. Uh, So I did have Strom active in a lineup. I did not have him active in tout, and that was only because – I have some pretty good arms uh, to choose between, and uh, he was someone that I benched with one start in Atlanta. But uh, he has definitely pitched well this year. Uh, Ian Kinsler with a big game for the Padres. Three for six with three runs, two RBIs. He's been terrible this year. In fact, there was a report earlier in the week that they could potentially uh, cut him. So he really has an opportunity here now. Fernando Tatis injured. He's out. We don't know how long. Uh, So they had Machado at shortstop today. France at third base, and Kinsler had the opportunity to play second, and Luis Urias has been killing it in the minor leagues, and I think maybe he could get the call up sometime soon, but Kinsler certainly buys himself some time with a home run today, his third of the year and three hits. Will Myers with his sixth home run of the season. He was 2-for-5 with a run and three RBIs, only batting two forty eight, but has six homers and 14 RBIs. We know he can steal some bases as well, and obviously for him, it's just about staying healthy. And we'll see. They did have one game last week where they put him at third base. I'm interested to see if they do that. It seems like they're reluctant to because that obviously would open some playing time for Hunter Renfro because right now you just don't know when Hunter Renfro is going to play. He was out today as Franville Reyes has been swinging a hot bat. He's got eight home runs on the season, two for five with a run today. He's only hitting .242, but the hard contact rate is ridiculously high and he's got big-time power and then Myers is going to play every day, and Mark goes is a center fielder, and uh, none of those other guys are really good at center field, so that's the problem. Mike fulton uh four and two-thirds, eight hits, six runs, only two earned, no walks and three Ks, ERA of 5.06 on the year. Again, I was not a big fan of him coming into the year. Obviously, the injury pushed him down the draft board. It was just a case of early drafts. He was going in the fourth, fifth round, and I just think he was not going to pitch to that level. You wonder how... Healthy he is as well. So there's definitely some concerns for him. Uh, but I think you do need to give him a couple starts here as you wonder uh, if he's just kind of really working his way back into full health. Uh, but Josh Donaldson uh, was out of the lineup once again today with that calf. Uh, so it's three days in a row he's missed. They have said he should be back for the weekend. But you know that was the concern about Donaldson before the year. You were just worried about could he hold up for a full season when he's been on the field the last couple of years? Elite skills. But, you know, you were worried about would it last the entire season. And, uh, again, it doesn't appear to be serious right now. But we'll see if he is back in the lineup tomorrow. The Twins with another victory. They beat the Astros 8-2. to The Astros 18-14. and The Twins are 19-10. and And, again, I was very high on the Twins before the year. Uh, they still have some questions in the starting rotation for sure. I love their lineup, though, and this is a team that should go out there and get a starting pitcher. Now, there probably won't be many great ones on the market, but uh, you know, Jose Barrios, love him, and he pitched very well today. Gave up a home run to Alex Bregman in the first inning, but bounced back. Seven innings, seven hits, two earned runs, no walks, and five k just eighty-eight pitches. He's now five and one with a two-nine-one ERA. He is living up to that lofty draft status going in that fourth round of many drafts. Jason Castro is third home run of the season for the twins. Uh, Jorge Polanco with two more hits. He's hitting 336. He was one of the best values in drafts this year. Uh, Byron Buxton, one for four with a run and an RBI. He's hitting two fifty-three, only a three oh one OBP. He's been fine though. You know, he had the scare where he crashed into the wall. But you knew his counting stats were not going to be great hitting ninth. We'll see if he gets an opportunity to move up in the order. I mean it's tough right now. You know Max Kepler's done a nice job. OBP is a little low at 333, but Jorge Polanco has been on fire. So there's really not a path for him to get to the top of the lineup right now. And it's not like he's been uh, that great that you want to move him up, but he does have seven stolen bases on the season. And I think that was a a big reason for why you drafted him. And so far he has been healthy this year. So I have Buxton in a couple leagues and yeah, I'd like to see a little bit more pop, but the seven stolen bases is really what you're looking for. Alex Bregman, as I mentioned, his sixth home run of the year. Uh, led Miss Diaz, the only guy in this game with multiple hits for the Astros. He was two for four as Brad Peacock struggled in this one. Allowed eight hits, two walks, seven runs over three and two thirds, only two strikeouts. His ERA is up to 5.28 on the season. Game going on right now. The Rockies lead the Brewers 10-5 to in the top of the eighth inning. Once again, Freddy Paul Peralta activated off the injured uh, list and he was terrible again and You know, he flashes at times, and he's going to have those dominant outings. But it's really tough to put him in your lineup when he has the potential to blow up every time out like he did today. Four innings, eight hits, nine runs, only six earned. But three walks and three Ks, two home runs. He's got an 8.31 ERA, man. I I just think it's difficult to roster him at this point. Ryan Braun with his sixth home run of the season. Mike Moustakas, two for three with a run and two RBIs. Uh, Jesus Aguero is heated up. He sat today. Eric Dames got a start at first base, one for four with a run. For the Rockies, Nolan Arenado with his ninth home run of the year, eight of his nine home runs have come on the road, and the Rockies have played most of their games on the road. So there's a lot of games ahead at home at Coors Field for Nolan Arenado. As it heats up, man, it could be a smash city for Nolan Arenado who got off to that slow start and is heating up now up to 299. That's nine home runs on the season and 27 RBIs. Trevor Story with his seven stolen bases of the year. That's the one thing. Story was a guy that I liked a lot. I didn't get him in too many leagues because, you know, he went early in the second round. I have him in my keeper league. But Story, man, that's the one thing is I knew the stolen bases were going to be there again. You know, this guy, one of the fastest in baseball, and he's going to continue to run. And David Dahl, Three for five with two runs, three RBIs, his third home run. We all know we're all worried about the health. He has already spent a stint on the injured list, but that did not keep me from drafting him. I was taking him in the seventh, eighth round. Uh, He was healthy going into the year. It's been a lot of different fluke injuries, but this guy can mash. So three home runs on the season, 11 RBIs for him, and Mark Reynolds has driven in three as well uh for tonight Juan Soto was scratched again this is actually an afternoon game about to start but there is a rain delay but Soto was supposed to be in the lineup but just like yesterday he was scratched again due to back spasms yeah like how does a twenty, twenty-one year old have back spasms definitely a little bit of a concern but I would expect to see Soto back in the lineup tomorrow for the Nationals uh as, uh, again, he is out of the lineup today for the Nationals. You can check me out, fulltimefantasy.com. Got my stock watch up. Find out who you can possibly buy low, who you can sell high on. And, of course, playffwc.com for May Madness. Get in the best ball draft or Dynasty League draft today for football. I'll be back Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, along with Dr. Roto, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Have a great day.